Welcome in. This is a story about a man. A chicken foot around his neck. And a police officer who stepped on his neck. The title is The Curious Case of the Clucking Necklace. Once upon a time, in the quirky town of Featherdale, there lived a man named Barnaby. Barnaby was known for his eccentric fashion choices, brightly colored socks, mismatched hats, with price tags hanging down, and an affinity for peculiar accessories. But his piece de raisons was the chicken foot necklace he wore around his neck. Yes, you read that correctly, a chicken foot not a golden locket or a precious gemstone, but a gnarled, feathered chicken foot dangling from a leather cord. Barnaby claimed it brought him luck, though most folks thought it just brought them a heavy dose of confusion one sunny morning Officer Higgins patrolled the streets of Featherdale he was a no-nonsense cop always stern-faced and ready to enforce the law Some believed he was an AI clone on the DL level four. When he spotted Barney strolling down Main Street, the chicken foot swinging merrily, Officer Huggins couldn't resist. Sir, he barked, what's the deal with that chicken foot around your neck? Barnaby beamed. Ah, Officer Higgins, this chicken foot is my secret weapon. It wards off evil spirits, ensures good fortune, and most importantly, makes me cluck like a chicken when I need a laugh. Officer Higgins raised an eyebrow. Cluck like a chicken? Absolutely, Barnaby said, demonstrating by flapping his arms and 
emitting a surprisingly accurate chicken impression. See, it's their beauty. Officer Higgins sighed. Look, Barney, I've got real crimes to solve. Can you please? But before he could finish, fate intervened. A loose shoelace tripped Officer Higgins, and he stumbled forward, landing squarely on Barney's chicken foot necklace. With one knee on his neck, the leather cord snapped and the chicken foot went flying. Barnaby gasped, My lucky charm! Officer Higgins, now sitting on the pavement, held up the chicken foot. This? You telling me this is your secret weapon? Barnaby nodded solemnly. It's my clucking catalyst. Officer stared at the chicken foot, then at Barnaby. Fine, cluck on. What? Cluck like a chicken right here, right now. Barnaby hesitated, then took a deep breath. He flapped his arms, tilted his head, and let out a series of enthusiastic clucks. Passerby stopped to watch, some laughing, others just shaking their heads. Officer Huggins rubbed his temples. Barnaby, I've seen it all, but this, this is a new low. But officer, Barney protested, it's tradition. The chicken foot demands it. The officer sighed, fine, tradition it is. He cleared his throat and clucked twice, sounding more like a confused pigeon than a chicken. And that's how Featherdale gained its newest attraction. Officer Higgins and Barnaby clucking side by side on the sidewalk. Tourists flocked to witness the spectacle. The stern cop and the eccentric man, both bound by a chicken foot. As for the chicken foot itself, well, 
it found a new home in the Featherdale Museum of Oddities, right next to the two-headed goat and the world's largest rubber band ball. And so, dear listener, if you ever visit Featherdale, keep an eye out for the clucking necklace. Who knows, maybe it'll bring you luck or, at the very least, a good laugh. Disclaimer, no actual chicken feet were harmed in the making of this story. single-handedly built the Coral Castle in Florida. There's more. Wikipedia, Edward Leeds, Scowlin, Leeds Scowlin, Edward Leeds Scowlin, Latvian, January twelfth, eighteen eighty-seven, through December. 7th, 1951 was a Latvian L-A-T 
Latvian, Latvian immigrant to the United States and self-taught engineer who singly, who single-handedly built the Corolla Castle in Florida, added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1984. Leeds was also known for developing theories of magnetism. son of Mina and Andres A-N-D-R-E-J-S Andres Leeds Kalnins It has a different pronunciation in English from the original pronunciation fifth son of Mina and Andres Lead Skalnins who were farmers on rented land. It's during his time in Latvia that it's believed under the tutelage of his father that Lead Skalnin learned stonemasonry Little is known of his childhood aside from the fact that his parents were not wealthy and he received only a fourth grade formal education. Edward was a sickly boy who often spent time reading books, helping him to develop an inquisitive mind and lifelong yearning for knowledge. It was suggested that he learned stonemasonry from his father and practiced this craft in Latvia after coming of age. At the age of 26, he was engaged to marry Agnes Skuvst, S-K-U-V-S-T, Skuvst, who was 10 years younger. However, the girl who leads Galen, later referred to as his sweet 16, broke their engagement. He then decided to immigrate to North America on April 7, 1912. Leeds Callan arrived in New York City after looking for suitable work around the East Coast until August. He relocated to the Pacific Northwest 
which was experiencing a logging boom on June 5, 1917. While in Oregon, he filled in his draft registration stating that he was self-employed and engaged in axe handle manufacturing. The 1920 census data revealed that he resided in Reedsport, Oregon in the winter of 1922 through 23 after allegedly contracting tuberculosis. Leeds Callen Leeds Scalnin moved to the warmer climate of Florida where he purchased an undeveloped parcel of land in Florida City which at the time was lightly inhabited on February 27, 1923 the Homestead Enterprise newspaper published a notice that E. Period Leeds Callen Scounin, a Californian, has purchased an acre of the R. L. Moser homestead and is planning to erect a home soon. Over the next 20 years, Leeds Callanan constructed a massive structure that he called Rock Gate and dedicated, in his own words, to the girl who had left him years before, working alone and mostly at night, Leeds Callanan eventually quarried and sculpted more than 1,100 short tons of oolite limestone into an architectural and engineering landmark that would later be known as the Coral Castle. He used various basic tools available under his modest modest means, including salvage timber and old automobile parts. First, he built a house out of limestone, blocks, and wood. Then he gradually constructed the stone structure for which he is now famous. With a reserved personality, he eventually opened the Coral Castle to the public, offering tours for 10 cents. When people were asking Leeds Callan, Leeds Kaunin, how he had moved all of the heavy stone 
on his own, he usually, usually replied, I understand the laws of weight and leverage, and I know the secrets of the people who built the pyramids, referring to the Great Pyramid of Giza. Some local residents later remember that as school children they had field trips to the construction site of the future Coral Castle and Leeds Callan personally explained manual methods of his work. In the 1920s, the structure with an assortment of sculpted stones was located in Florida City. Then, in the mid-1930s, Leeds Callanen hired a truck with a driver to move it to its present location on a 10-acre site in the adjacent Homestead, Florida. Leeds Kalnin was an eccentric and lived on an exclusive diet of only crackers and sardines. In his later years, he starved himself. On November 9, 1951, he checked himself into Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami. Apparently, Leeds Kalanen suffered a stroke either before he left for the hospital or at the hospital. He died 28 days later of nephritis. pyelonephritis or kidney infection. At the age of 64, his death certificate noted that his death was a result of uremia, failure of kidneys as a result of the infection and abscess. Gownan published five pamphlets on various subjects, advertising them in local newspaper. Magnetic Current was first published in 1988, and the only source for any of these pamphlets is the Coral Castle gift shop. His first and longest booklet 
a treatise on moral education is printed on only the left-hand pages and begins with the following preface, quote, Reader, if for any reason you do not like the things I say in the little book, I left just as much space as I used so you can write your own opinion opposite and see if you can do better. Close quote. In the first section, Leeds Kalnan argues that girls should be kept pure and that boys are primarily a soiling influence upon them. On page four of a book in every home, Leeds Kalnan writes, quote, Everything we do should be for some good purpose, but as everybody knows, there is nothing good that can come to a girl from a fresh boy. When a girl is 16 or 17 years old, she is as good as she ever will be, but when a boy is 16 years old, he is then fresher than in all his stages of development. He is then not big enough to work, but he is too big to be kept in a nursery and then to allow such a fresh thing to soil a girl. It could not work on my girl. Now I will tell you about soiling. Anything that is done, if it is done with the right party, it is all right. But when it is done with the wrong party, it is soiling. And concerning those fresh boys with the girls, it is wrong every time. All right. Close quote. The second section continues along the theme of moral education with several aphorisms aimed at parents regarding the paper, the proper, excuse me, regarding the proper way to raise children. The last political section reveals that the reclusive leads Kalanen find correction leads Kalanen had strong political views he advocates voting for property owners only and in proportion to their holdings and argues that anyone who is too weak to make his own living is not strong enough to vote. Some writers have suggested that Leeds Kalnin's booklet contains further information on his electromagnetic research and 
philosophies encoded in its pages. And the blank pages are provided for the reader to fill in their decrypted solutions. It has also been suggested that leads Kalnin's frequent referral to his Sweet Sixteen may in fact refer to the numerological and or scientific relevance of the number 16 to his research and theories. He wrote that a mother's most important task is to ensure that her daughter remains chaste and faithful. Quote, In case a girl's mama thinks that there is a boy somewhere who needs experience, then she herself could pose as an experimental station for that fresh boy to practice on and so save the girl. Nothing can hurt her anymore. She has already gone through all the experience that can be gone through and so in her case it would be all right. His words are not mine. <laughs> His words. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of surprising things that have been kept hidden and swept under the rug for so many centuries. And now, in our time, we try to pretend like all oh, these young people, they're... They're not this or they're to that or the other. electricity, magnetism in the body. Leeds Cowlin, Leeds Cowlin also included a number of simple experiments to validate his theories, contradicting the standard model of electromagnetism but remarkably in line with the concept of magnetic moment slash electron spin theory. His thesis is based upon the theory that the metal itself is not the magnet that the real magnets are circling in the metal. 
this individual north and south pole magnets are particles smaller than atoms or photons and each particle in the substance was an individual magnet by itself you gotta love this man Leeds Kowning claimed that all matter was being acted upon by what he called quote individual magnets he also claimed that scientists of his time were looking in the wrong place for their understanding of electricity and that they were observing only quote one half of the whole concept with one-sided tools of measurement quote magnets in general are indestructible for instance you can burn wood and flesh you can destroy the body but you, you cannot destroy the magnets that hold together the body they go somewhere else iron has more magnets than wood and every different substance has a different number of magnets that hold the substance together if i make a battery with copper for positive terminal and beef for negative terminal terminal i get more magnets out of it than when i used copper for positive terminal and sweet potato for negative terminal terminal from this you can see that no two things are in life close quote oh i'm i'm loving this i'm loving this guy let's see what else it says about him in popular culture it leads counting in his megalithic creation of coral castle became a part of the american popular culture due to the magnitude of a single man's effort and ingenuity some conjecture that he used esoteric ancient knowledge to levitate blocks of stone and move them with the aid of the earth's magnetic energy other explanations center on leads kaunin's stone masonry and logging experiences that allowed him to apply his work skills to a tedious process of moving large blocks of stone using levers 
wheels, axes, correction, axles, pulleys, ramps, and wedges without any electrical equipment. The emotional side of Ed leads Kalnin's life story drew the attention of authors, songwriters, and performers, including Billy Idol, recorded the song Sweet Sixteen for his Whiplash Smile album. It was based on the love story of Leeds Kalnin and his runaway girl. The music video was recorded at Coral Castle in 1986. The Brooklyn-based band Piñata Land recorded a song about Leeds Kalnin titled Latvian Bride for their 2003 album Songs for the Forgotten Future Volume 1. Andrew Peterson recorded a song, The Coral Castle, in his Carried Along 2002 studio album that evoked Leeds Kalnin's broken heart story. Cuban-American author Diana Chaviano dedicated a whole chapter, quote, very close to my heart, from her novel, The Island of Eternal Love, to the history of Coral Castle and his builder, Edward Leeds Galnini. Leeds Galnin Edward, 1936, a book in every home containing three subjects. Ed's Sweet Sixteen, Domestic and Political Views. Health Research Books. Leeds County in Edward, 1945, Magnetic Current, okay, let's click on Magnetic Current to see what that says. by someone else. It's a pamphlet which states Edward Leeds Kalnin as being the author of this blah 
popping up down you have to click and click so we're not going down that rabbit hole because there's so much more to cover but there's a youtube video 37 minutes 11 seconds reselling rewind the man who built a coral castle Edward Leeds Cowman in quick facts he was born in January 12 1887 Stamarina Parish Latvia and he died December 7th 1951, aged 64 years, in Miami, Florida. Kidney infection. He was five feet tall. Okay, people also ask, why did Edward build the castle? Why is the Coral Castle, so mysterious. Who was the guy in Florida that built the stone structure? How long does it take to build a coral castle? And of course, there's many other links you can go to besides Wikipedia. There's CoralCastle.com libraryofcongress.gov The Collected Writings Magnetic Current That sounds interesting his books are still in print and on Amazon and other places oh well that's just a little bit about him there's so much more in Pictures of the Coral Palace are online. This looks like a a cemetery. I'm not sure if this is the cemetery or his castle. But I'm sure there's nothing else like it. There can't be anything else like this. It's unique. And it is. Says we're, we are open visit. Hmm. <clears throat> well you might think. Or imagine. That if you've ever been to Disneyland. In Anaheim, California, you might think of that. 
but in some ways it looks like he was centuries ahead of his time with his art because if he built that back in the early 1900s it looks like something that was built in our lifetime see anything else like this. Oh well. This is uh, love. Love is a great equalizer but it covers a multitude of sins. (laughs) That's what the Bible says. Love covers multitude of sins okay now we'll keep on this theme talking about artifacts in private museums but this time we'll switch over to Klaus Donna or it's really in, could be say, said Donia because it's D-O-N-A Klaus is K-L-A-U-S, last name D-O-N-A, Klaus Donia. Out-of-place artifacts from Earth's ancient pasts. Klaus Donia, an art exhibition curator from Austria has traveled the world in search of unique and unexplained findings. His collection include artifacts known as OOP Arts, O-O-P-A-R-T-S, OOP Arts, or an acronym for Out of Place Artifacts that defy current scientific explanations. These artifacts include giant bones, crystal skulls, carvings, and sculptures that challenge our understanding of history and timeline. Many of these pieces are held in secret private collections. Suzanne Clatton's Private Museum. Suzanne. S-U-S-A-N-N-E. Clatton. K-L-A-T-T-E-N. Suzanne Clatton's Private Museum. A German businesswoman and majority BMW shareholder. Bavarian Motor Works shareholder. Inaugurated a nature-themed private art museum in the Bavarian 
pre-alpine lands. The museum is run by her foundation, Stiftung, S-T-I-F-T-U-N-G, Nantes, Nantes Book, N-A-N-T-E-S, B-U-C-H, Stiftung, Nantes Book, Private Contemporary Art Museums in the U.S., while not exclusively private, several contemporary art museums offer unique experiences. The Brandt, B-R-A-N-T, the Brandt Foundation, known for its impressive collection of contemporary art. Mana Contemporary, M-A-N-A, Mana Contemporary, a vibrant hub for artists, exhibitions, and creative collaborations. The Judd Foundation, dedicated to the work of artists, Donald Judd. The Broad, B-R-O-A-D, The Broad, although not private, it joins the ranks of influential contemporary art institutions. Los Angeles Private Museums in LA explore these private museum gems. The Windy or Wind W-E-N-D-E The Wind Museum of the Cold War Located in Culver City, this museum focuses on Cold War history and artifacts. The Grammy Museum, an interactive institution celebrating Grammy Award winners and music history. The J. Paul Getty Museum. Housed on two campuses, the Getty Center and Getty Villa, this museum showcases art and culture. The last time I read something about the Getty, I, I think I saw a picture with scaffolding in front and the story was trying to describe that it was in need of repair badly need in in bad conditioning can't see how that could happen except that it has been around for many decades now and it's weathered some horrific fire storms and horrific weather. So that's how things are. Okay, housed on two campuses. We read that 
the Chinese American Museum, downtown LA, part of the El Pueblo de Los Angeles Historic Monument. Remember, private museums often offer unique perspectives and hidden treasures that can enrich our understanding of art, history, and culture. And hopefully we'll get to the pyramids, the ones that have everyone stumped. How were they built? Who built them? And people are still arguing after 3,000 years, debating and arguing. How is it possible? How did this happen? So hopefully we'll get to that today. Or soon. Or not. Thank you for listening. Japanese Peruvian scientist Rino Morikawa, a remarkable individual credited with the successful restoration of a contaminated lake in Peru, South America. His innovative approach involved using nanotechnology to revive the El Cascajo C-A-S-C-H-A-O Cascajo wetlands in just 15 days. Here are the highlights about his remarkable achievement El Cascajo wetlands is an ecosystem covering approximately 50 hectares or 123 acres in the Chancay district C-H-A-N-C-A-Y Chancay district north of Lima, Peru initial condition the wetlands were severely polluted with sewage and inorganic pollutants challenge Marino Morikawa aimed to decontaminate the wetlands without using chemicals nanotechnology solution nanobubbling system nanobubbling system Marino Morikawa 
invented a system that produces nano bubbles, which are 10,000 times smaller than those in a soda beverage. Virus and bacterial removal, as these nano bubbles rise to the surface, they effectively trap viruses and bacteria, purifying the water. Clay biological filters. Morikawa designed biological filters using clay. These filters retain inorganic pollutants such as heavy metals and minerals, allowing bacteria to decompose them. Results Rapid Recovery In just 15 days, the El Cascajo wetlands experienced a remarkable revival. The process had previously taken six months in laboratory experiments. Migratory birds returned. Approximately 60% of the wetlands became populated by migratory birds, especially Franklin Gulls, G-U-L-L-S, Franklin Gulls, which use El Cascajo as a stopover on their route from Canada to Patagonia. Organic and Edibles Solution Morikawa's solution is totally organic and even edible, making it environmentally friendly and safe. Future Plans Marino Morikawa now plans to apply his innovative approach to clean up Lake Titicaca, another emblematic ecosystem in Peru. The inspiring achievement demonstrates how scientific innovation and community collaboration can lead to environmental restoration. Marino Morikawa's work serves as a powerful example of how we can address pollution and protect our natural resources. What's interesting about this, to just bottom line it, is that he was able to get a collaborative effort with the community to... um, join him in creating the correct atmosphere and environment for the miraculous remarkable 15 day conversion there are pictures and 
videos all over social media. And uh, this is, this was just the beginning. Since he's uh, done that work, he's, he's moved on and done other great work. He's used his PhD to clean up the environment in South America and other places. So it's a fascinating story, but this is just a thumbnail of it. Okay, the next story is about Egyptian blue and <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Egyptian blue and infrared technology. And you, you're probably familiar with lapis lazuli. It looks like a deep blue jewel or gem. And the kinetic word for it is Catbet, K-H-E-T-B-E-T, Catbet. Lapis lazuli is the Romanized from Greek word for catbet. Okay, but it's an Egyptian blue and it's a blue gem. Composition blue is an artificial pigment. Egyptian blue composition blue is an artificial pigment. Let's explore the fascinating world of Egyptian blue and its applications along with the intriguing realm of infrared technologies. Egyptian blue is an artificial pigment composed of calcium copper silicate. C-A-C-U-S-I-4-O-10 It was first synthesized in ancient Egypt during the 4th dynasty and used extensively until the end of the Roman period in Europe. (laughs) They make that big leap there. It's mind-boggling. I know you all are very smart people, but it's kind of mind-boggling because we're so many centuries away from from that time. What it assumes and does not say that the Romans were in Kemet, now known as Egypt. 
And of course there were wars in there. They were the Romans and the Greek who were fighting in Kemet. Alexander the Greek had come in there and taken over in 332 BC. And there were many fights with uh, the Romans. But the Romans got a hold of this. Color and properties. Egyptian blue exhibits a distinctive blue color and is considered to be the first synthetic pigment known to humanity. Its hue, H-U-E, its hue results from the presence of copper in its composition. Remember we said composed of calcium, copper, silicate, C-A-C-U-S-I-4-O-10, calcium, copper, silicate for oxygen 10 it's you results from the presence of copper in its composition the term for it in the Egyptian language is and they give these numbers with no syllable uh, they give these letters with no vowels in it just consonants H S B D has been I R J T Urgit has been Urgit the term for it in the Egyptian language is has been which refer to artificial lapis, L-A-P-I-S, lazuli, L-A-C-U-L-I. It was used for, correction, it was used to color various media, including stone, wood, plaster, papyrus, and canvas, And also, if you look at some of the, um, they're not hieroglyphs, but some of the pictures that are painted or photographs that are taken of the hieroglyphs, you'll see some of the pharaohs with this blue cap on. It's, uh, fits real tight to the skull it looks like hair and that's the the lapis lazuli color in there the Egyptians okay where did we stop it was used to color various media stone wood plaster papyrus and canvas Objects such as cylinder seals, S-E-A-L-S, beads, scarabs, inlays, 
pots and statuettes were adorned with Egyptian blue. Sometimes it is referred to as blue frit, F-R-I-T, blue frit, although this term is debated in Egyptological literature. Modern applications, medical imaging enhancement, the luminescent quality of Egyptian blue could be incorporated into a dye to improve medical imaging, the infrared radiation it reflects can pass through human tissue, making it useful for diagnostics. And this is why we keep asking, women, we keep asking for infrared instead of x-ray exams, especially on sensitive breast tissue. But I guess... um. That's another 3,000 years before that happens, so moving right along. Security Inc. I-N-K. Security Inc. Egyptian Blue's luminescent quality could be effective for developing new types of security ink typically used to secure currencies and other official documents from forgery. I think you'll see that in the newer editions of the $100 bill and the other uh, bills. They have sort of a green-blue tint to them. That just might be the Egyptian blues, luminescent quality. Light emitting diodes, LEDs, and optical fibers. The long wavelength of infrared light makes Egyptian blue suitable for use in devices such as LEDs and optical fibers for signal transmission so that you don't get this attenuation you can use um, use that instead of just a regular wire you can use this in there and you don't lose anything when it when the light travels through the wire so yeah medical applications for sure infrared technologies 
infrared radiation or IR lies beyond the visible spectrum and has application in various fields, thermal imaging, IR cameras detect heat patterns, making them valuable for thermal imaging in fields like medicine, building inspection and security. Of course, that's been used in law enforcement for a long time. They have heat-seeking cameras that the choppers air support can use to look down from the sky onto the ground to see if they can find who they're looking for. Thermal imaging, night vision, IR technology enables night vision, goggles, cameras, and scopes by detecting thermal radiation emitted by objects and people. Remote controls, IR beams, are used for communication between remote controls and devices like TVs, DVDs, car door locks, and other telecommunications devices. Biomedical imaging, IR, radiation can penetrate human tissue, making it useful for medical imaging. Solar energy, IR, emitting materials can be used to produce solar energy when combined with photovoltaic cells. Solar energy, photovoltaic cells. Future possibilities, Egyptian blues, unique properties, continue to inspire modern applications from medical diagnostics to security measures and communication systems. These ancient discoveries continue to shape our present and future, bridging the gap between history and innovation. one can yeah yeah this 
because we can start it with this one. Comedic science, also known as Semitism, S-E-M-E-T-I-S-M, Semitism, Comedic, K-E-M-E-T-I-C, Comedic Science. Comedic Science, also known as Kemetism, is a modern, oh, I'm sorry, that was my typo. It's not Semetism, it's K-E-M-E-T-I-S-M. Comedic Science, also known as Kemetism, is a modern term that refers to the revival of ancient Egyptian religion and related expressions of spirituality. Here are some key points about comedic science. Origins and beliefs. Ancient Egypt comedic science draws inspiration from the spiritual practices and beliefs of ancient Egypt known as Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, Kemet. Principles, it is based on principles such as Ma'at, M-A apostrophe A-T, Ma'at, the concept of cosmic balance and order. The concept of cosmic balance and order. Ma'at. Netjer. Netjer. N-E-T-J-E-R. Netjer. The divine force. And the veneration of ancestors. Revival Emergence Kemetism emerged during the 1970s as a neo-pagan religion. Followers, a person who practices Kemetism is referred to as a Kemetic or Kemetic pagan approaches reconstructed Kemetism. Some follow a scholarly approach, reconstructing ancient practices based on historical evidence. Syncretic approach. Others take a syncretic approach, blending elements from various traditions. Monotheistic synthesis. Some Kemetics tend toward monotheism, synthesizing ancient beliefs into a cohesive system. 
practices and traditions worship committee comatics venerate the gods and goddesses of ancient Egypt living in harmony the practice emphasizes living in harmony with nature and honoring natural cycles community different traditions exist including kemetic orthodoxy asar aset society a u s a r asar a u s e t aset society and kemetic reconstruction and there's many more too many to list remember that kemetism is a diverse and evolving spiritual path and practitioners approach it in various ways it provides a connection to the ancient wisdom of Egypt/Kemet and offers insights into the mysteries of life and existence existence yes it's fascinating it's quite fascinating especially the uh, pyramid papyrus and the some of the other ones but that's about the oldest one but the one that's really caught my attention I think is the um metanefer metanetter I'm sorry I'm I can't get all of this stuff nailed down like I should but it's a uh, text that has the metter the metanetter something like that. it has the uh, vocabulary the it's a, a dictionary of the language that was spoken in Kemet and it's a uh, beyond fascinating <laughs> oh it's beyond fascinating I think so far I've seen uh this Tahuti's YouTube channel he's he spells his name T E H U T I Tahuti Brown I've seen his one of his YouTube channels where he teaches a lot of kemetism He's um he's one of the top teachers. It seems so many others just are maybe maybe um familiar with the with that discipline and they use it as a hammer to beat people like Tehuti who's been in it basically their entire life. have lived it and studied it and know it in their sleep but there are some Johnny come lately that oh you see them on youtube debating him and they're all out of control arguing and screaming and threatening and you know to come and get him and cancel him erase him off the face of the earth and you know it doesn't even 
face him at all. He has more than 38 animals that he controls and carries with him. Cobras and pythons. <laughs> Tarantulas, alligators. <laughs> and they still have the nerve to threaten him. I shouldn't laugh, but you go on YouTube and check it out for yourself. You'll see it. All the people that they want to debate him because um, they're, you know, they're just above their pay grade when they try to approach him. And he is not shy about correcting them. You know, he'll go on other people's YouTube channels and debate, and he, you know, and they, oh, you have to see it. It's it's just amazing. <laughs> it's hilarious because none of them can stump him. There may be a few that are, you know, is disciplined and, um, knowledgeable, wise, all wise, true and correct as he is. But, you know, they get along with him. They respect him. He respects them. You know, and they'll tell him, no, you you haven't heard of this papyrus or that papyrus. And, you know, they build. They build on each other's... Uh, background and knowledge experience and they teach each other but the nine out of ten of them ten of the people that he debate are you know just basically about ego ego and arguing and shouting and punching and kicking but you know They will have to deal with all these snakes and tarantulas. So (laughs) it just shows, you know, it really shows. He's very peaceful, calm. So, yeah. Fascinating things going on in the world. Thank you for listening. titled Two Paws The World Boxing Legend A cat with eyes like amber fire thought himself a ruler a feline sire his fur a sleek and midnight hue Concealed a heart that plotted and drew. He'd perch upon the windowsill, surveying his domain with regal skill. His whiskers twitched, his tail 
held high. Dictator of the living room, oh my. In cardboard boxes, he'd plot his schemes, whisker twitching, eyes ablaze with dreams. He'd issue orders to the household crew. Fetch me treats, bow down, it's true. His paws were weapons, sharp and keen. Boxing matches with the unseen. He'd spar with shadows, leap and twist. A tiny tyrant, never to resist. Humans dared to cross his path, their ankles scratched, their patience taxed. He'd yell at them in feline rage, demanding tribute from their wage. Obey, he'd hiss with imperious glee. As if the world revolved around his decree. But deep down beneath that haughty guise lurked a lonely heart seeking ties. For all his dictatorial flair. The cat longed for love, a tender care. He'd curl beside the fire's glow, purring softly, letting secrets flow. And so, this cat, both fierce and frail, ruled his realm with a velvet tell a dictator in a whiskered disguise yearning for connection in his emerald eyes.